Hello, be beautiful. Welcome back to another episode of It's Time to Be You, the podcast that helps people pleasers take control and finally put themselves first. I'm your host, Ariel Von Bretter, a recovering people pleaser and certified life coach on a mission to help you drop the shoulds, embrace who you are, and live life on your terms. Do you believe in possibilities? Possibilities are the things that may happen, and those things may be positive or negative. I like to focus on the positive possibilities, but I know that it can be hard, especially when things seem tough. Everything seems like it's just going wrong, and you're thinking, why me? Well, what if we learned how to change that why me thinking? What if we were able to see possibilities in a new light? What if we bought into the possibility of ourselves? Today, Brie Tartaglione joins us to help us see new possibilities. Brie shares her story of how she became temporarily paralyzed, changed her thinking, took her first steps, and literally started running towards new possibilities. This episode will inspire you to see more possibilities for yourself, believe in yourself, and become a more powerful version of yourself. Enjoy! Bree, thank you so much for joining me today. Will you just tell us a little bit about yourself before we really dive into your story? Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Ariel. I'm really excited to chat with you and uh, really just uh, talk today about, um, you know, a lot of different topics, but I can tell you about myself first. Uh, So I am a certified school counselor right now currently working on my clinical mental health counseling license. I'm also a motivational speaker. I started my speaking career after my medical incident and my story, which I know we'll get into. That has really uh, brought me in this whole new realm of mental health and uh, psychology, which I really love, which is talking on different mental health and psychological concepts that can really be impactful for people uh, living day to day or who might be living in distress or in a really scary or uh, difficult place. So those are some sort of key points about me. And I'm happy to talk more as we get into the conversation. Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, I think mental health and mental health awareness is huge and I love talking about it to spread awareness. So I love what you're doing. And so let's kind of go back to your medical incident. Like what kind of happened to you? Yeah. So man, it was just such a whirlwind. Really, it happened in a matter of 24 hours and I can give you the short version and I'm happy to answer detailed questions because there's a lot of nuanced details that kind of happened in between, but it, uh, as the pandemic sort of, as our, uh, world was shutting down, so too was my body. And on March 17th, 2020, which was actually my first day of remote work, I realized that something was terribly wrong. It had started the day before. It was a tingling and numbing sensation that uh, began in my feet, really in my toes, and grew up my legs uh, all the way through to my waist. And then it also um, actually localized in my mouth and grew up and around my head, skull, and neck. So. Wow. Yeah. And this ran weird, random, numbing, tingling, tingling sensation really grew in intensity over those 24 hours. And on the morning of March 17th, which 
it was my first day of remote work. I called my boss and I said, I, you know, something's wrong. I need to get to the hospital mm-hmm. and which I did. And as I got to the hospital, I actually brought myself to the emergency room and used my hands to really walk myself along the triage desk and said to the triage nurse there that I believe my legs are about to collapse beneath me, beneath oh, me. Wow. That's terrifying. Yeah. And no sooner than I said it, did it happen? And so that was really the start of this really long, strange, scary experience that left me paralyzed for several weeks, put me on a path to learning how to walk again, which has since, you know, transformed into a lot of different things and a lot of different spaces in my life. But uh, I'll, I'll pause there (laughs) if you have any questions or I'm going to talk about any details specifically. Yeah. I mean, I'm just curious, like, uh, what, what was it that caused this? And, and then also were you expected to walk again? Yeah. Great question. So at the time, uh, they really were not sure her doctors were doing everything that they possibly could to figure it out, but there, everything was coming back negative and they had told me that they had run just about every test possible that they could have run and they couldn't figure it out. Uh, oh you gosh. also, also, it's good to keep in mind at the time, uh, this was also the day that New York city hospitals locked down. So things were starting to intensify. No one really knew it was happening with coronavirus. Right. And the, a couple hours after I got there, they locked down the hospital. So it was a really scary place to be as well, because mm-hmm. no one knew what was going on. And I say that because it was also really new. COVID testing was very, very, very new at that point. Yeah. My friends like to make the joke because at that time, not even celebrities could get their hands on a COVID test. And I received three different tests. They <laughs> all, <laughs> they all came back <laughs> negative, uh, which is interesting because we really will never know what caused it, but I do know now based on the diagnosis that it is onset by viruses and vaccines. And I was uh, sick the week prior with what I think was a virus, but we'll never know if it was or wasn't COVID virus, another virus or something else that onset it. But Mm -hmm. what's interesting is that doctors found out that the reason why they ran so many tests and they all came back negative was because the condition that I actually have is really rare in general, mm-hmm. but even more rare in adults because it's actually something that happens at an early onset age in childhood, like five or six years old is really when it will happen to children. Yeah. So they didn't even think to uh, look at a 28 year old who who could have this condition, but there's right. a very long medical name for it. There, if you, if any listeners are wondering to learn more about it, you can look up the acronym ADEM. It goes by ADEM is the condition. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is it is in, technically an autoimmune condition, but it affects for me specifically my brain and my spine. So what happened was that my immune system based on being sick the week prior or the virus that I have, whatever it might have been that triggered it, essentially triggered into overdrive. And then rather than attacking the unhealthy cells, it attacked the healthy cells in my brain and in my spine. So when we think about the brain and the spine, it's 
really interesting and just a totally different perspective because the brain and the spine control just about everything in right. our bodies other than our heart, which is obviously controlling, uh, you know, pumping blood through our bodies, which we really need as well. But uh, right. other than that major heart system, the brain and the spine are really delicate and can really impact my day to day. So the way that doctors had described it to me was that it was actually uh, pretty miraculous that it was just mobility that was, or singularly mobility. I don't like to say just because I understand that uh, some people are live and thrive without mobility their whole lives, or some people have right. had life's life-changing situations where their mobility is completely changed from what it was. But the fact that it was singularly mobility and not my cognition, my memory, my speech, any of my senses, sight, taste, touch, yeah. uh, really, it could have impacted just about any part of me as a functioning human being. And mm -hmm. it was singularly my mobility. So when I think about that and really switch that switch it to that perspective. I, I am thankful that my body was able to pull through and yeah. really uh, get through this thing. But there was a point in time before they were able to diagnose that they couldn't tell me what the trajectory would be. And mm. there were thoughts that it could progress and get worse, that it right. could be permanent or that it could lead to amputation of some sort. So uh, there was definitely a lot of anxiety and uh, feelings around those moments. But like I said, they were able to figure it out. And, uh, you know, there was a recovery process from there. Yeah. And how long did it take them to figure it out and, and really know what it would look like to like how long it would take to recover and stuff like that? Yeah. So it took about five days to reach the diagnosis. And okay. then the, the implementation of the different medica uh, medications that they administered was another five day or so process. Mm -hmm. And for me at about day, actually it wasn't about, it was on day seven. Um, I was able to essentially take my first wobbly step again and it was on my 29th birthday oh wow that's like what a moment <laughs> what a moment yeah it, it, it was not a pretty step and there was not much more after that but it was to take my first step again on my birthday was pretty incredible right wow and so like what was your mindset like during this time mm, such a powerful question it's so interesting because when an anyone is faced with something unexpected, challenging, difficult, life-changing. Mm -hmm. One of the first sort of moments that we experience is this, this sort of looming question of why, why yeah. does this mean? <laughs> well, I don't understand what, for what reason. And then I, I definitely harbored that why inside of me, it was short-lived. But the initial questions were me asking why. Mm -hmm. And I found that the more I asked, the more powerless I felt because mm -hmm. I wasn't going to receive the answer that I was necessarily, look, necessarily looking for. 
doctors could answer why this happened medically. Right. And you know, there there's other other whys that I could get answered, but the the why me question was not something that could be answered by me or anyone around me. And mm-hmm. even regardless of my spirituality or religious affiliation, that why question we know doesn't come directly to our ear either. Right. Yeah. So regardless of how or where or when I was asking the question why, I asked whether it was in my head or out loud, I would ask. And it was like, I was losing this power because I was never getting an answer back. Yeah. So with my mindset, I, I realized how debilitating this question was making me feel this one question. And I also realized that I had the ability to re-empower myself by reframing the question into Mm. the answer that I could give myself and the answer that I know to why is because there's really not anything past that. Some people might say, why not? And I just knew like, I always learned you answer why with because, and I was looking for a because, and no one could give me the because that I was looking for. But I realized when I said, because me, I wasn't saying because this is my fault. That Mm -hmm. was not the intention. I was saying, because this is now a part of me because this is part of my path and my journey of existence, because I now have the opportunity to take a circumstance that has happened in my life and use it to springboard everything else from here. So found a way to really switch my mindset from why to because, and I went from powerless to powerful. I was able to really turn my circumstance from something that made me, from something that, excuse me, that I felt like happened, was happening to me, to something that now happened for me. There is more to this. There is a lot more that I'm just not able to see in the same way that I won't hear that why. Mm -hmm. And I just need to trust and believe in the power that I hold as a human being to use this experience for good for myself in my life, regardless if I will ever be able to take a step again. And this whole mindset shift happened before I was able to walk. So it was being able to walk again was like icing on the cake because I had already empowered myself that this could be my new circumstance. Let Mm -hmm. it be and let me with it so I can continue to move forward in my life. So that's a, that's a peek into what, what was going on there in the mindset. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is really powerful because I think a lot of times when something happens to us, we, it is automatic to just be like, oh, why me? And we like, feel like we need an answer, but it really is like, if we don't have the answer, or even if we did have the answer, like, what is that really going to change? And I like that you say like, because, and because this is a part of me now and that you really accepted it and embraced, embraced that so that you could move forward. And Mm -hmm. so I'm kind of curious, like, 
you know, sometimes people like kind of hate the phrase of like, um, everything happens for a reason, (laughs) but like, how do you feel? Like, do you feel like this happened for a reason or like, is that not how you see it? So I, I can really understand the cliche and like (laughs) part of the angst around that saying everything happens for a reason. And though I do believe that there's a lot of power behind that. It's not necessarily how I orient myself in this circumstance. Mm -hmm. The way that I have been able to understand it and might make it helpful for other people who don't want to use that term that everything happens for a reason, but want to figure out sort of a more comfortable and salient way to experience their circumstance is that our circumstances are just that, but it's how we orient ourselves to them. And yeah. by orient ourselves, I mean our thoughts and our emotions and our behaviors. Really, that that cycle of uh, thoughts, emotions, behaviors that we sort of encapsulate the circumstance within. Right. Yeah we don't have to make a singular circumstance the center that our thoughts, behaviors, and uh, beliefs and emotions really circle around. We don't need to circle everything that we do around a circumstance. We can orient ourselves to something that has happened in our lives to a place of understanding, to a place in understanding again we're not going to find the why but a place of understanding of where it fits in our lives and I think that that uh helps shake the the thoughts that a circumstance becomes us and we become it and we have to find why it happened everything happened for a reason like we have to look for that reason otherwise it is not validated And Mm -hmm. I think that we have to release ourselves of trying to validate it in the first place. We have to understand that it has a place in our lives now because there are fixed parts of our reality that we just don't have control over. Mm -hmm. And that's okay because that's a part of life. But we have to understand how we orient ourselves around such a fixed circumstance and how we can use it to continue to move forward. Yeah, definitely. Like our thoughts are just like so powerful and and we have a choice on how we think about things and how we choose to move forward. Mm -hmm. And so like, was when you were kind of going through this shift between like why to because, was this something that you really had to like work on or like figure out, or was it because of your background that you kind of like had this knowledge to, to do so? I will say that having studied in this psychology profession and having studied counseling psychology and becoming a therapist, I definitely understood that I had power in this circumstance and I wasn't seeing where my power was when I was asking why. Mm. So I definitely knew that there was a way for me to more comfortably work through this. And I can certainly attribute that to my training as a counselor. However, uh, I've, I've received this question a few times and I think it's interesting because, uh, 
every counselor also it's it's actually uh one of the first things you learn when you go to school every counselor needs a counselor because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we just can't therapize ourselves it's right re- it's just it it might feel like it's easier easier to do because it's like all the knowledge is there I have all the tricks and the tools but mm-hmm. I don't have sort of that reflective experience. I can't really see outside of myself and, uh, you know, recognize my blind spots and such. So in right. that capacity, it was like, I had the knowledge and the skills to uh, understand what change looks like, mm-hmm. but implementing the change itself was definitely uh the same type of personal development that I had to go through that anyone else would have to go through. Right. So- it was, um, I can't say that it was a lengthy process. And I think that's just because I was really tuned into how I was feeling. And I'm typically, I just have a, a positive affect, uh, throughout my life. That is just how I am oriented to the world. Mm-hmm. And which again, that's not a, a necessity as a counselor either. That was just for me personally, but mm-hmm. I was, frustrated with the fact that I felt so debilitated. So for me, it was really tuning in to this emotionality, understanding. I'm like, I don't like this feeling, but I can't change this circumstance. So I have to change how I'm feeling and how I'm thinking about it because I don't have the power to change the other thing. So I have to change what's going on within me. So I, I might have expedited the process being like super tuned into how I was feeling and what I was thinking and shining that flashlight on those spaces. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the end of the day, it, it definitely took some work for me to be able to make that mindset shift. Right. Yeah. It's like, you're still human and have to go through the process. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, learn, like be self-aware and focus on like what is actually in your control versus what's not in your control and what's already happened. Mm -hmm. So what are some other lessons that you've learned from this experience? Yeah. So, I mean, there are so many that I could pull, but one of the, one of my favorite ones to talk about, and it feels so simple and it's, it is something that we all have and we don't really know that we have the power to use. Mm-hmm. And that is our consciousness. And okay. I say this because learning how to walk again was an experience that was eye opening for me mm-hmm. because the first time we learned how to walk, I say we collectively as humans is when we are very little, yeah. uh, something of subconscious human beings. We, <laughs> we don't really have the, the full awareness yet to understand what's happening. Now, if you're a parent and you've watched this process play out, you have a little bit more of a peek into the window of what that looks like. But for me, I'm not yet a parent and I don't remember learning how to walk the first time. Right. (laughs) So learning how to walk the second time completely shifted my perception on how and what I view in the world and what I have not viewed my whole life. So I'm talking about these automated processes. And as human beings, 
we automate processes, which makes sense because they're really helpful for us in the day and age that we're living in. There Mm -hmm. is constant stimulation, constantly something to do, constantly work, family, hobbies. There are so many things taking place in our lives that automating processes makes a lot of sense. I'm really happy as a human being that we can do so. Right. But what I I realized is that uh, an automated process like walking, something that I had never given a second thought to, actually requires a lot of understanding and about who I am, about my body, about how my body works. And I was like, well, if I just had to shine the flashlight on this process, what are the processes am I automating that I could probably learn from if I shine the consciousness flashlight on them? And so- So this consciousness piece has really allowed me to look into other spaces in my life. And again, I'm happy that I can automate the process of walking again. (laughs) Something that every step I take, I say, okay, I'm taking steps and here I am. Like it is a process that should be automated. But when you see actually how that process becomes automated, you understand that there's other places where improvements or new understandings can be found and can be made. Yeah. I mean, that is really powerful because I think it kind of applies to so many different things that we just automatically do without thinking about. And especially when it comes to like our beliefs of just like, well, we've always felt this way, or we always thought this way. And we don't think that we need to think about it until something happens. And we're like, well, maybe I should think about it, or maybe there is a different way, but things just become habits and routine. And then we just like move on with our life where so many people just get stuck of like, this is how I always am and how I always will be. But like, you really can actually take, you know, shine a light on, you know, what you're doing and, and change it, which I think is like fascinating. (laughs) Absolutely. And one of my, uh, one of my favorite examples of this, where I really got to see this process in action sort of come full circle was I went, once I learned how to walk again, it was something of an, a euphoric experience for me. Mm-hmm. And once I learned how to walk, I was ready to learn how to jog again and see what my stamina was, my muscle level. And then once I figured out that I could jog again. I'm like, I want to run. And I used to hate running. I really (laughs) despise it, but there was this different mind body connection in me at this point that wanted, that I just wanted to keep going. And I make the joke that I felt like Forrest Gump. I still do. (laughs) Like every, every time I run, I am just, it is such an amazing experience for me. It is not the same experience that other people have running as like this chore for exercise and cardiovascular health. Like for me, it is, I'm looking down at my legs. I'm feeling my body. I'm like, we're doing this thing that we didn't know if we'd ever be able to do again. And I have that every time. But again, I am human. I'm not superhuman. So I do get tired when I run, no matter how how much I do it. And I worked through this experience that I, I actually don't know. I haven't looked up if there, if there's like a psychological term, uh, maybe I should look this up, but (laughs) I have, I have named it thought flooding and interesting enough. 
it's for me, if I'm running and I start to really lose steam when you're running, you're, you're doing this mind body thing where, Mm -hmm. you know, is it, is it, is my body, like, are my muscles actually exhausted or am I just getting tired of the process and ready to go home and finish my day? Like what is actually happening here? Like, is it my stamina? Is it my muscles? Is it my mind? Mm-hmm. So I, I realized in, in doing some really lengthy distance runnings, I know what it feels like when my muscles get fatigued. And yeah. I know that my muscles are not fatiguing at that two, between that two and three mile range where I I'm ready to throw in the towel. Right. Oh, and I, and I say this because I'll do between two and three miles every morning. And sometimes it's no problem. And sometimes I'm like, Oh, I have to get all the way there. Yeah. But (laughs) all the way there. And this is where I bring in this consciousness piece and my self-proclaimed thought flooding. I found that if I could focus on a point really far in the distance Mm -hmm. and I flood my thoughts, I really bring my thoughts to consciousness. Mm -hmm. And let's say what I use, which is what I often use is get there or get to that point. I'll just say it. I'll focus, shine my light right Mm -hmm. on that point. And I will not allow another thought in my mind other than get there, get there, get there. And what I have found is that, and I have a pretty, I hit a pretty similar spot every time I run. And what I found is when I use this technique, this really conscious technique, I can get there almost without problem. I zone in, I just move and I get there. But if I don't do this sort of thought flooding consciousness technique, I slow down. I start mm-hmm. telling myself it's okay to walk or, you know, <laughs> let's get this done. I, you know, I'll stop and take a breath. I, I mean, I'll do, I'll give myself every excuse in the book to not finish this run. Right. And it's so interesting that I can quite literally turn on a conscious process and make something happen so powerfully and effectively. There has not been a time it hasn't worked for me. Yeah. So, that's really where you can see that power of the conscious mind and like our ability to change what we think is unchanging because had I not figured out this technique, I would just think that I was getting fatigued at this Mm -hmm. 2.5 place. And that's my capacity, but it wasn't at all. I was, I was telling myself it was because I was tired and bored. (laughs) So you you really start to understand how you can use this, what power you have, the power you have to change and mold and become who it is you're trying to become, but you have to shine the spotlight on it. Yeah. Oh, I love that example. I'm a runner. And so I totally get it. Okay. <laughs> like running is such a mind over matter thing. Like our mm-hmm. body is just like, mm, this is enough. But like, it's just like, if you tell yourself, like you can do it. And I totally like, will po- point out, um, like a layout post, like if I could just make it there and then the next yeah. one and keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I totally get that. Yeah. You get one lamp post to the next and you kind of set those, those small conscious boundaries. Right. Yeah. And for our like non runners, do you have like another example where it's worked in like other aspects of your life? Uh, Oh man. I, let me think of one that could be like pretty pertinent. I mean, it can work in so many 
different scenarios. And I know that there's like times that you can't really use thought flooding specifically because you might be in a situation where you need to be thinking about something else, but it's really about the conscious immersion of one singular thing. And I think this also sort of uh, zooming out pairs with this, um, this idea that we automate a lot of things because our brains are sort of in 10 different places at once trying to do all these different things at once. Right. But, and I, I wish I had like a really specific example right now for non-runners. I don't have one off the top of my head, but what I can say is the, really the, the point of an exercise like this is to understand that if we get hyper-focused on a singular point that we are trying to reach, achieve, maintain, whatever it might be, we have the ability to shuffle it from the back of our minds to the front of our minds. So we have this ability to be able, as I keep saying, shine the spotlight on it, shine the flashlight on it. Our, our ability to zone in on something that we want is limited to how focused on that thing we are. And that is consciousness. That is understanding that our focus is going to be a conscious process. Mm -hmm. And if we continue to tell ourselves, for example, if we have these limiting beliefs, I will never be able to, let's say, I'll never be able to write a book. Mm -hmm. Okay. If that is the belief that we continue to instill within ourselves, then we are literally shining the spotlight on this limit. We are telling ourselves that we can't do it. Mm -hmm. And we're going to continue, if we continue to tell ourselves we can't do it, it's not like our body does the opposite our body is following the commands of what we're telling it to do. So with those pieces, we need to be able to shine the spotlight on limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. We need to be able to hear what it is our mind or that voice in the back of our head might be whispering to us and understand that that whisper is not factual what it is is protection it is you know there's so many reasons it could come up for you but it could be a conditioned behavior from when you were a child someone else told you this so often that it became something that you internalized and believed Mm -hmm. it could be something that you told yourself because you put yourself out there once and you had a really scary experience. And now you protect yourself from it. There's a lot of different reasons why we might be feeding ourselves these limiting beliefs that don't allow us to thrive and become who we want to become. But if we, if we can flip that switch, shine the spotlight on these words, understand that they are not always true and not often true either, Mm -hmm. then 
we can at least try to say the other thing and it might feel uncomfortable at first. So if we're going from, I can't write a book, which was the example that I offered to, I can write a book or I will be able to write a book, then we're going to start sort of recognizing this idea in our minds. It's going to start to register with us. And when it starts to register, then we're going to start making those moments into active improvements to getting there. Again, when you tell yourself you can do something, the actions that are going to follow that are going to follow are going to be something that you do to make that thing happen. So understanding the mind body connection is really, really powerful, really, really important. And shining that flashlight onto the things that we want the most is going to be uh, really, really powerful for our growth. Right. Definitely. Yeah. So it's really just focusing on like what you actually want to happen and, um, you know, bringing that to like your consciousness. And then like, eventually it will be like your subconscious and like what you do automatically after you're showing yourself like the proof that you can do that, like write a book or, you know, whatever the goal is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, so like, what made you want to like share your story and, you know, inspire people? Yeah. So for me, uh, I, I have always been in the helping profession before I was a therapist. I was an educator. I worked in school counseling and I also was a teacher for a while. So I always knew that like this helping profession or the helping space was where I was drawn to. And it's also where I saw I could make a lot of impact and because that when this experience happened for me, it was as if it put some puzzle pieces together because I had also always wanted to be a speaker. And I always felt like, I was like, well, what would I speak on? How do I, how do I help the masses or impact the masses? And I was like, I I don't know. And then I realized I have this story now, this incredibly powerful experience that can translate in a lot of different ways in so many different facets of mental health in so many different spaces Mm -hmm. that this was my opportunity to use my experience, tie it to all these different mental health processes that we go through and that we struggle with as humans and help people get through experiences themselves that they might feel like they're not able to get through, or they're having a really difficult time navigating. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I think people's stories just really help people get through what they're going through to see that someone else has done it. And it's just, I mean, it's so inspiring. And I feel like there's so many aspects to your story that like, we didn't even like have time to get into. I was just like, are you (laughs) going to be writing a book? Cause you should, if not. You know, I am in the very early stages of trying to draft something up and see what lands. So I don't know if it will be a book or a memoir or an online uh, something or other, but I am in the process of drafting something in writing to be able to bring this to paper. Awesome. And where can people like find you to stay connected and find out if you write a book (laughs) and what (laughs) and everything else that you're doing too? Absolutely. Yeah. So everything you can find me basically everywhere at Brie undeniably. My website 
is brieundeniably.com. That's B-R-I-U-N-D-E-N-I-A-B-L-Y. And all of my social profiles, you're also going to find me at Brie underscore undeniably. So uh, that's where you're going to see all the work I'm doing, the speaking that I'm doing, if a book is on the horizon and uh, really everything that's going on in the counseling space for me. Oh, I love it. And I saw on your website, you have that you want to help people buy into the possibility of being you. Like, what does that mean? Tell us about that. Yeah, that has been my tagline really through this whole thing. So uh, after this, this experience happened to me, I started my podcast, which started my business, which started everything else. And through and through, I have sort of coined the term buy into the possibility of you. And what that means is that in counseling, it's actually, uh, there's scientific proof behind the buy-in process. Mm-hmm. And the, the buy-in process is basically the hope that we hold that change can happen, that mm-hmm. we can change or evolve or reform or reshape. So yeah. uh, going into, into a counseling session, the client buy-in is really important. Essentially for counselors, when a client brings themselves to counseling, mm-hmm. it means that that buy-in box has basically been checked because they see that there could be a power in them making a change. They understand, even if they're resistant to the counseling process, that change can happen. And they're, they brought themselves here in the hopes for that. So, and even if, you know, if it, if you did not bring yourself to counseling, but it it's part of some other process, uh, you know, it's about helping clients understand what this process could do to help you change and see if, you know, that buy-in, that hope for the future is there. So when I say buy into the possibility of you, I am saying we need to hold hope that somewhere outside of what our current circumstance feelings, thoughts, and behaviors are some somewhere even outside of our peripheral zone of vision is our possibility and our potential to thrive and to become who we want to become. But we, we can never see that right in front of us. We have to be able to hold that hope that we as human beings can grow and can change. So buying into the possibility of you is knowing that beyond your, your zone of vision is the next version of you and the next thereafter um, of everything, who you can be and who you can thrive in. Oh, I, I love that so much. I, I never really thought about like having that buy-in of just like mm-hmm. the ability to change or like the ability or the belief in yourself. So I really like that perspective. Um, and I always love to ask like, how has being yourself impacted your success in your life? What a beautiful question, man, being, well, being myself is the only way that I can be. And being for me, I definitely went through this period of understanding what being myself looked like. Yeah. But then I realized that being myself is 
going to come from internally and it's going to be internally how I feel when I'm, when I am being, yeah. and if I, if I feel like there's friction or if I feel discomfort or if I feel anything other than ease, then for me, that sets off an alarm. I have to be myself. I don't want to feel on edge or not at ease in, in who I am and coming to that realization, it really opens up every possibility for you to continue to become who you are and who you want to be. And I think that's how it has changed my life is being exactly who I am allows me to continue to become exactly who I want to become. And I don't have that same opportunity if I'm trying to be someone else because that friction just doesn't allow it. So it has definitely changed my life. And the fact that I get to be absolutely me from here until the end of my time here. Yeah. Uh, I really love that. And I love how you just put all of that. And, and just the fact of realizing, like, if it doesn't feel like if I, if you're not at ease with it, like it's not for you, I think is a big just sign of self-awareness. And I mean, what, what message do you want to leave with people today? Hmm. You know, I, I usually actually believe with buy into the possibility of you, but I love that we covered it already because it opens the door to sort of wrap everything up with uh, the fact that you listeners and uh, Ariel, we all have this power within us, this ability to actualize, to become, to thrive. And if we shine the spotlight on what we can do and how we can grow rather than on what we can't do and how we can't grow, then our growth has already started. I love it. Oh, Bree, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story. And just thank you for being you. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. And I uh, appreciate the opportunity. I thank you for being you as well. Wow, isn't Bree's story incredible? I could not imagine going through what she went through with being temporarily paralyzed, not knowing what was going on to where she is now. I love that she was able to change her thinking from why me to because. It's simple shifts like that that can have a huge impact on how we move forward. It's easy to dwell on things that happen to us and play the victim, but what if we just accepted the things that are out of our control and focus on the things that we can control? And as a runner, I totally understand the concept of thought flooding and how focusing on a certain point can help to push me to keep going. So now I know how to apply that technique to other areas of my life and how powerful that can be. And most of all, I hope that you buy into the possibility of you. This podcast started because I wanted to give you the inspiration and motivation to help you become the best version of yourself. Buying into the possibility of you will help you as you take control Finally, put yourself first and live life on your terms. And definitely connect with Brie at brieundeniably.com and on social media. And for more inspiration, check out Brie's podcast, Deep Conversations with Dope Individuals. And of course, all of that's in the show notes. And if you loved this episode, be sure to leave me a review at timetobeupodcast.com. I would love to hear from you. It's time to say because, it's time to buy into the possibilities. 
it's time to be you.